time today, welcome. Uh, if you were away last week or you've been away for a couple of weeks, welcome back. It's good to see each and every one of you. So we got a lot going on uh, this week. Uh, just a reminder that we have connect groups uh, after service as we unpack a little more of the message that uh, God will deliver, deliver us, uh, well, not today, but in uh, the other weeks. I'm sorry, I forgot this was the first Sunday. We're doing communion today. So God bless it. Also, this is my first time here. Uh, no. <laughs> so welcome to everybody. Uh, we are collecting uh, toothpaste and toothbrushes for Umbelary Assisted Ministries uh, this month. So next time you're at the store, uh, please remember them. We have a, 
a shelf out there that we can put those on. We'll get them to them at the end of the month. And for the source, we're collect, continuing to collect uh, diapers uh, for all ages uh, there at the source. And so you can continue to bless them. Wednesday nights, uh, we have a study here for the adults. Uh, the uh, the uh, kiddos have Awanas. We want to encourage you to bring the kiddos. They're learning Bible verses in Awanas. It's just an awesome program. And then the youth meet also on Wednesday evenings. Uh, men's ministry. 6.30, this Tuesday, we're eating pizza uh, here. Uh, we're going to fellowship together, uh, get to know each other a little better, uh, have some prayer time together. So I encourage each and every one of you to, uh, to join us at 6.30 here. We'll probably be in the youth room. Very, very important announcement. On February the 10th, this coming Saturday, is Galentine's. This is a time where the ladies and the young ladies from our church get together and they just love on one another. Uh, ladies mentor to these ladies, uh, to the young girls. The ladies play games. They have good food. I want to encourage you. You should have gotten an invitation, ladies, when you walked in the church this morning to join us uh, on uh, the 10th, on Saturday from 6 to six to 8. Uh, we're taking up love offerings, uh, but uh, it's going to be a real blessed time. I want to, and I'm, we're going to ask the guys this Tuesday night, if, uh, gentlemen, if you... Don't have anything to do Saturday from 6 to 8. It would be awesome to come up and serve the ladies as they have their, as they have their celebration. So that's uh, going on Saturday. Uh, Tuesday night, uh, 6.30, we have uh, prayer time here. So you're encouraged to join our prayer warriors uh, as they pray for the church, for the nation, for one another, and for our church here. We have prayer teams that are in the back during service. If God moves you to go to him in prayer. Uh, they're here to pray with you and pray for you. They'll be here after service also. Um, our giving. We can do it in an envelope. We've got baskets here in the front, baskets in the back. We have a box in the foyer. You can drop your giving in. You can also do it online. And you can set that up one time, and then uh, it's real easy to do. Uh, the, the next time you set it up, you'll already have that done. Bridget, could I get you to come this way? Also, your, your giving statements for the year. They're in the foyer. They're in alphabetical order. I encourage you to grab yours because uh, I know that wonderful tax time is coming up, and uh, we're, we're always asked about those, so those are out there. I'm asking Bridget to come up. You guys, uh, give Bridget a hand. Bridget has been and continues to be a blessing to our church. Uh, Bridget was over our children's ministry. Jenny Valley has taking over uh, the kiddos. Uh, Bridget says hallelujah. Uh, but uh, Bridget's not leaving us. Bridget's going to be here for VBS and continue to be here to help with the kiddos. Uh, but uh, she's taking care of her mom and got some other things going on in her life. So she's asked if she could just step away. And so uh, we reluctantly said, sure. Uh, but we're, we're going to miss her. She's, again, a blessing to us. And, Bridget, I have just a small token of appreciation for us we want to present to you. And, again, uh, you guys thank her for me. God bless you. Thank you. So let's turn now and, and greet each other in the name of Christ.
Yeah. 
have a seat. We come to our time of service where we go to the throne of grace with our concerns, our praises, our thankfulness, just all the things that God has blessed us with. So begin to prepare your hearts. You know, in Luke we read about those travelers on the road to Emmaus as they walked and struggled with everything that was going on around them. Christ had been crucified and they were just seemed lost. And unbeknownst to them, this stranger was Jesus walking with them. So I'm not sure what's going through your life right now, but know that he has not abandoned you for a moment. He walks with you. He wants to reveal himself to you at a deeper level maybe than he has ever done before. You've heard us say over the last few weeks, don't ask God why, ask God what. What are you doing in my life that I can help you with? So as we go to him now with burdens we may be carrying, ask him what you can do to help him because he has not abandoned you. He is walking with you. 
So let us go to the throne of grace, crawl up in his lap, and just let him love on us for a few moments as we join him here in this place. Gracious Heavenly Father, we come giving thanks, acknowledging that you are a sovereign God in control of all things. So I ask now, Father, that you hear the cry of your people, the concerns they may have. Father, you know what's in their heart. May you work in a mighty way in each life. Father, give us the boldness, the boldness to seek forgiveness, Father, with things that we try to bury in our hearts. For the forgiveness of things that we try to control, Father, because we want it to be our way. Let us have a vulnerable, loving heart toward each other. Teach us to be Christ-like in what we say and what we do. Teach us patience, Father. Give us the ability to wait on you. Thy will be done in each of our lives, Father. We pray for the church universal. We pray for our church here, the leaders in our church, Father, that we would be obedient to your calling, to the direction that you give us and place on our hearts, and may we act on it immediately, Father. Remove the excuses that we come up so freely with when you put an opportunity in front of us. Father, we pray for those that are in need of healing, for those that are facing surgery, for those that are facing everything from the simple cold to cancer. We pray for the caregivers. May they be your hands and feet. More than that, may they be your smile. May they be the words of encouragement. We pray for our families, Father. For our spouses, for our kids, for our parents, for our grandparents aunts and uncles, brothers and sisters. May we all remember that we are your children and part of your kingdom. Father, we pray for travel mercies for those that are away and that you bring them back to us just as you bring those that are ill right now back to us, Father. We give thanks for those that you have healed, those that will return to us, Father. Father, we pray for a hedge of protection be placed around those mercenaries 
those missionaries, those people that boldly speak your words. When they speak your truth, Father, guard their heart. For those that protect us here and abroad, we ask for a hedge of protection to be placed around them and their families. For those that step into harm's way, Father, to do the right thing, may they be within your will. We pray for this nation, our leaders. Father, we pray for forgiveness for where we have come today. Guide us back to you. Make us a nation truly under you, Father. Obedient to your calling. Father, we pray for your message today. And Pastor Mark, may his words be your words. May you open our hearts, our minds, to hear what you are saying to each of us individually and to the church collectively, Father. Give us the opportunity to be your obedient servants. May we remember that we are here for your service. So again, Father, may in each of our lives your will be done. We pray all these things in your son's precious name and all that love you say, amen. Let's thank the worship team. Thank you, guys. Thank you all for joining us today. Everybody doing good? I'm good, thank you. I appreciate you asking. All right, so um, before we get into the message, just a couple of things. Just to reiterate, um, you know, we have the prayer teams in the back. If at any moment you need to uh, pray about something, take the moment to, to, to get up and go back and pray with one of the prayer members. You know, if I'm up here speaking and you need, need to pray, I'd rather you talk to God than listen to me. So take that moment to, to go back and, and, and uh, agree with someone in prayer. If the Holy Spirit's moving on you. So they're back there. They're interceding for, for the service the whole time we're here. And so they're w- willing to pray with you with anything. No, another thing is... Um, you know, Wednesday nights, if you haven't come out on Wednesday, I want to invite you to come out. We're doing this study on, I, I dare you not to bore me with the Bible. So it's been a lot of fun. We've been doing a different Bible study topic each week, taking something out of the scriptures that's strange or weird or what does that mean and figuring it out and, and seeing how it actually makes a difference for our walk with the Lord when we understand our Bibles better. So that's happening. Um, last thing I want to mention is uh, many of you know... Um, uh, our a dear, dear friend uh, and brother in Christ. His name is Larry Neese. He's um, uh, the founding, or not, not the founding, but he's the long-term international director for Kenya Ministry Training Institute. He's the reason why my son is over in Africa right now, uh, you know, from spending time with Larry and just planting the seed of missions work there. 
that's the class that just graduated this year. And the next one is uh, the next slide there. That's their largest class ever is starting this year. This is the 85 students, the largest one ever. So Larry got a call from his brother. Uh, his twin sister is, has terminal cancer. And Larry's been back in the States for several months now, uh, helping to try to nurse her and get her life back in order, you know, going through all the medical treatments and, and just all the chaos that, that's happened as a result of long-term sickness. And the ministry board that, uh, that he's under, in which it, that sent him, IOM, International Outreach Miss, Missions, has sent out the letter. There's been tremendous expenses as a result of this. And they're asking if the churches and families that know him have relationship with him, if y'all would be willing to, to help out with some of those expenses. I know uh, from a fact, from personal conversations with him, he's pulled $15,000 out of his own pocket just to help pay expenses. Um, and there's a whole lot more than that. So uh, we're going to do a special offering. If you all would, would like to participate in that, you can, just, you can just put for Larry Neese or for IOM on it, you know, write it to the church, and, and we'll make sure it goes to donating for that. So anyway, I, I did want to take an opportunity. Larry sends his greetings and his blessings to everyone, and he is very humble and grateful that we would even bring this up and talk about it. So, All right, so this morning, we, we've been doing a series about our relationship with Jesus. Uh, we've been doing this series about having a walk that's real, having a walk that's authentic with God. We know that this thing we call Christianity is not just a religion it's not just a punching a ticket to go to heaven. It's actually about having a relationship with the living God. That's what this is about. And, and also, how many know, if you've been a believer for more than 15 minutes, life can get in the way and uh, draw your attention in all kinds of ways. It's easy to stray and get distracted and get caught up in the things of the world and not focused on our walk with God. And so uh, this, this series we've been doing is to, to help us to refocus, to, 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 to have those tools in our toolbox in which we can daily walk with Christ and, and not take that relationship seriously in our lives, in our families' lives, and in the, in the world in which we live. Now, um, uh, this morning, uh, I'm going to talk about learning to walk with God. And I'm going to talk about three principles about helping us to learn to walk with God. Before we do, just a little bit of an introduction. And... Um, uh, what I'm going to do is just a, a little bit different. I had, I had a, a, in my own personal time with God this week, I had this, this incredible revelation. It was incredible revelation because it was an intimacy time between me and him. And I'm studying, I'm studying his word, and he showed me something in his word. And, and I just, I literally put down everything I was studying, just sat there and just, kind of sat there in awe as I was meditating on it. And I had been debating all week long, you know, do I, do I want to put it in the message? Do I not want to put it in the message? I'd already been putting the outline together and just, I actually didn't even write it in the outline. And this morning, it just, the Lord won't leave me alone. So can I take a few minutes and share this with you? This is about the significance of our walk with God. But to do it, we got to take a little history lesson. You see, part of the first things, part of the lesson this morning is to understand 
that God is the one who initiates a relationship with us. The whole, the, the, the whole purpose he has, the whole reason for creation is he wants to dwell with us. He wants a living relationship with us. Well, to get it, let's go back. And I'm going to paint a word picture. And I need your, I need your help to try to picture yourself as an ancient Israelite. I want you to see yourself in Egypt. I want you to see yourself for decades, for, 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 uh, uh, for millennia. I mean, not millennia, but uh, centuries. You are in Egypt. You are oppressed. You are being oppressed by the Egyptians, and you're crying out to God. And God hears. And finally comes the day when God shows up. And he doesn't show up just in your mind. He doesn't show up just in your spirit. He shows up in a big way and starts manifesting himself. Ten incredible plagues, one after the other, demonstrating his greatness, culminating in Passover. And finally, the, your, your captors let you go. In fact, they, are, they, they throw you out. And not only do you leave, you leave with all the wealth of Egypt. And not only do you leave with all the wealth of Egypt, there's a whole mass of foreigners who are saying, we're coming with you. You got the real God. And you get to the Red Sea. And, and uh, you're like, okay, where do we go from here? There's a sea in front of us. And now all of a sudden there's an army behind you. And that army is intent on killing you and destroying you. And what does God do? He opens up the Red Sea. And you're literally walking across what used to be sea on dry land. Put yourself in that place. What are you thinking? What are you feeling? And three months later, you come to a mountain. And, and, and you're camped around this mountain. And, and Moses says, get ready, get ready, God's going to show up, God's going to show up. And he shows up, and he shows up in an incredible way. All of a sudden, there's thunder, there's lightning, you're hearing God's voice. You hear a trumpet so loud, it is so fearful, the people are trembling, saying, Moses, 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 tell God to stop. You talk to us. And then a year later, God... Uh, uh, um, you, you spent the next year crafting a tabernacle, a house, a place where God can dwell in the very midst. And so Moses sanctifies it. He sanctifies Aaron. He sanctifies the tabernacle. He consecrates everything. And, and, and then uh, after it's all consecrated, they put the offerings on the altar. And then all of a sudden, the glory presence of God comes down on the tabernacle. It is so heavy. It is so thick that, that not even Moses can go in. Fire from heaven comes down, it hits the altar, consumes the offerings, and the entire congregation falls on their face flat. That is how intensely God desires to dwell among his people. Fast forward a couple of hundred years, and, and, and he, he gives them the law to say, this is how to live this out. This is how to work this out. This is how to be righteous. This is how to be just. This is how to make this happen, to have my glory. And, and they, they keep walking away and walking away and walking away. God gives them a shepherd. God gives them a king. His name is David. He has a heart to follow God. And he wants to build the, tabard, the temple. He wants to build a glorious place for God to dwell among them. And, and his son Solomon inherits this. And so Solomon builds this temple. It's an absolutely beautiful building, worshipful for God. And the whole congregation comes around and they're worshiping God. And Solomon prays and says, accept this offering for you as a house. And as he prays, as soon as he finishes, once again, the fire of God comes from heaven, consumes 
the offering on the altar. It lights the altar himself. God says, yes, I accept this as my house and his glory comes in. The whole congregation falls on their face. The years go by and years go by and as they go by, the people forget. The people start living in apostasy. They start living in idolatry. Idolatry so egregious that the strongest possible language in the prophets condemning it as adultery. Saying, listen, return, return, or you will be exiled. And sure enough, they are exiled. They're in the foreign land, but the prophets say, God's going to build that temple again. He's going to build it, and his glory is going to come down on it again. And you will forever be my people. And you are in exile, and you're looking forward to this. And 70 years later, you return. And so you build the temple, and you rebuild it, and yet God doesn't come down. And, and, and Herod in, 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 uh, uh, takes over, and he rebuilds this temple even great, creates the most glorious temple you could have. He's intent on being the king where the glory of God comes down, and the glory doesn't come down. And then a baby is born. And the presence of God comes to tabernacle among us. And he's crucified, he's risen, he's ascended. Fifty days after his resurrection, you're gathered in the temple, and the fire of God comes down. Except this time it doesn't come down to come in a building. This time it comes down on the people of God. That's who you are. That's who you are. God wants a relationship with his creation. He's demonstrated it over and over in history. He sent his son so that that relationship can be so intimate and personal that he comes to dwell in us, in all of his fire and all of his presence. Wouldn't it be important that we learn how to walk in that? Wouldn't it be important that we take that seriously? Because the only way others are going to see it is when we let him live that through us. When we decide that we want that fire from heaven that has reignited life in us, To go through us to touch others. Now there's a process to this. There's a way this works. Notice something. God is always moving. Listen to what it says in Philippians. It says this. It says, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. God had you in his mind before he created anything, Ephesians says. Before the sun, the moon, the stars, and the universe were created, he conceived of you. He placed you in this time, in this place, and he is working in your life right now. It's not a matter or question of whether or not God's working or whether God's speaking. The question is whether or not we're listening. You see, because here's a problem. The problem is this, by and large, you and I, this world, are self-centered. Can I get an amen? 
And you see, the first thing that happens when we see God, when, we, when God moves, when he reveals himself, the very first thing that happens is we think about how it affects us. But see, what God is wanting us to do is to get past that, to go to the next place. And, and he acts and he waits. See, God's not interested in what you want to do for him. He's interested in what he wants to do and will you do it with him. And what does that require? What it requires is it requires us to put us over here and to put him center. If, he, if we are actually that temple and he has come to sit and dwell on it, then who's the king? You see, that's what it takes. It takes if we understood that, that God is moving, God is speaking, and God desires to move through us, but the way that that happens is not that we try to get God to do what we want, but that we say, God, what is it you want? Now, here's, here's why we don't do that. It's very simple. Like I said, we're primarily self-centered. But what does that mean? What that means is, is when God speaks to us, we go, oh, no, God, not that. Moses, I'm just, Lord, I'm just, I'm just taking care of my sheep. Can't you just let me take care of my sheep? No, leave and go to Egypt. Oh, no, God, you got the wrong person. Does God ever have the wrong person? Well, what's he asking you to do if he doesn't have the wrong person? Peter, Lord, leave me. I'm a sinful man. Leave me, Lord. But I'm a gracious master. Follow me. Paul, we need to put him in jail. We need to kill him. We need to get rid of him. Jesus says, no, uh, actually, you're going to be an apostle. You see, he wants to change our perspective. He speaks, he calls us, and when he speaks and when he calls us, he's asking, he's waiting for us to listen to him. He's waiting for us to, he's not asking us, what are you going to do? He's saying, I have something for you, when are you going to listen? When are you going to listen? You see, so listening to God, following God requires suffering. Now, what it requires suffering in is it requires suffering in killing my flesh, killing myself, doing those things I don't want to do. But here's the thing. We're in really good company with that. How many know for Jesus to follow the Father, it required suffering? Listen, it tells us this, I mean, this right here in Hebrews. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard. Why? Because of his reverence. So he's crying out loud cries. Where did Jesus cry out loud cries and tears? Anybody remember the garden? Father! Can't you do it differently than this? Nevertheless. Not what I want, but what you want. And although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. So, with that, I'm going to talk for a few minutes on what it means to learn to walk with God. How do we learn to do that? How do we learn to walk in the footsteps of Jesus? How do we learn to, to be God-centered? First and foremost, it's not a method. It's a relationship. 
We want formulas. We want to say, okay, do A, do B, do C, E. Okay? There are principles, and we're going to talk about principles. There are three principles we're going to talk about. It's about sincerity of heart, patience, and the spirit in the word. We're going to talk about those things. But they're not a method. They're not a formula. There are ways in which we engage him in relationship disciplines. How many know relationships take discipline? If you're married, you should be shaking your head. If you're a parent, you should be shaking your head. If you're a parent, you're wishing your kid was shaking their head. Right? Well, what's any different than our relationship with God? You see, it takes, it takes these uh, 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 relationship disciplines. All right, so there was a, one incredible man of God, um, uh, Henry Blackaby and Richard Blackaby, write about uh, George Muller. George Muller uh, lived in the 1800s. Uh, he was just, uh, and he, um, it go, he lived out exactly what we're talking about here. God called him. God said, I have a purpose. This is what I want to accomplish. He sensed God's activities. And he said, now go do it. And it literally upended his entire life. He left from Germany, ended up over in, in Bristol, England. He's seeing kids on the street. He's seeing uh, um, there's, a, there's a lack of people listening to God, a lack of people following God. And, and God speaks to him and says, start an orphanage. He doesn't have any money. He doesn't have any resources. He doesn't know how he's going to do this. And God's and he purposes in his heart. He has a revelation from God. The Lord speaks to him, and he never asked one person his entire life, his entire ministry for any resources. He accept God himself, he prays. He died at the age of 93, and by the time he had died, he had four orphan homes uh, with 2,000 kids at a time, up to 10,000 orphans who had gone through his home. He had over $8 million that had been donated to his ministry that he had put into ministry, all by simply trusting and praying God and making the needs known to God. And he said, there are three principles of my relationship with God that, I, that, that help me, that enable me to trust God to walk with him in this. Sincerity of heart, patience, and the spirit in the word. Having a pure heart before God, not what I want, but what he wants. Patience, waiting on God's timing, and spirit in word, making sure everything I do is in accordance with the spirit of God and the word of God. All right, so let's walk the, break this out. Let's walk through these. Number one. Sincerity of heart. The question here is not whether or not God's speaking. Okay? God is speaking all the time. The question is whether or not we really want to hear. Okay? So some people say, well, how do I know? I mean, maybe God's not speaking. God is speaking. The question is whether or not we want to hear. How do you know if you want to hear? How do you know if you want to hear? It's very simple. Here's the test. You can write it down. You can test yourself later. Are you willing to change when he speaks? That's how you know. Are you willing to change when he speaks? That's how you're knowing if whether or not you're willing to hear God speaking. If you're not willing to change, you're not going to hear God speak. So look at, uh, look at Jeremiah 29, 13. This is what he says. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Hearing the voice of God is a heart issue, not an ear issue. It's a heart issue. So how do you seek God with all your heart? The first thing is, seek him for his sake, not yours. 
We may have a need. We may have something in front of us. And it's okay to lift the need before God. It's okay to mention it for him. But we have to ask him what his answer is for it, not ours. God, but I really wanted this job. God, but I really wanted this relationship. God, but I really wanted this healing. Are we seeking God for God's sake? Or are we seeking God for our sake? You see, because if we lack sincerity, we won't receive. James chapter 4, verse 3. You ask and do not receive. Why? Because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. To spend it on yourself. Well, the Bible tells you, plain and simple, if we're asking simply to spend it on ourselves, that doesn't mean we don't ask for things for ourselves. That's not what it's saying. If, if I am treating God like a magic genie to get what I want, that's what it's talking about. Because if the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of, right, of God in his righteousness, and all other things shall be added unto you. Right? So there's nothing God's not going to provide for us, but we have to first seek him with all our heart. Search me, O God. And this is a prayer right here. This is one thing you can pray. This is, a, this is the way to take the scriptures, and you can test your heart before God. This is David's prayer right here. Ask God to search your heart. Ask him to search your heart, and then trust. Ask him to search and then trust and then just move forward. Here it is. And I'm going I'm to read this scripture, but I'm going to read it like a prayer. Search me, God. You know my heart. Try me. You know my thoughts. Is there anything in me that's grievous to you? I bring it right now to your grace. Lead me in the everlasting way. I like what Jesus says here, for I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but to do the will of the one who sent me. Father, you thought of me before creation, not for me to do my own will, but for me to do your will. You're the one who sent me. You see, if we lack uprightness, we shouldn't think that God's going to give us anything. Listen to James here. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. Now, I know a lot of people right away are going, oh, no, I have doubts. It's not talking about having questions. No doubting does not mean to have questions. In fact, you can have the, your greatest time of faith comes when you have questions. What when James says no doubting, what he means is a divided heart, no loyalty to God, a heart that is split. That's what it means by doubting God, a heart that's following the world and, and trying to follow the world and God at the same time. God, I want your answer, but I'm holding this over here just in case you don't give me what I want or like. That person will not receive anything from God, it says. In fact... I love this quote by Darian Lockett. In fact, wholehearted faith sometimes doesn't look strong at all. Wholehearted faith often looks like empty hands. I've got nothing else, God. I've got nowhere else to turn. All I have is you. If asking in doubt is divided loyalty, the kind of ask that gets wisdom from God is a wholehearted ask. And ask that says, God, I don't have anywhere else to turn. George Muller said this, 
If we want to learn to walk with God, if we want to learn to hear his voice, 90% of the problem, 90% of the problem is right here. A heart that wants to hear. If we have a heart that wants to hear, the rest will fall in place. The question is, are we really willing to change when God speaks? All right, number two, sincerity of heart. Number two, patience. Patience. Psalm 27 says this. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. God, give me patience and give it to me now. Anybody ever pray that? Yeah, don't. Don't, don't suggest it. Because he will. <laughs> when, I was, um, when I was 19, I was uh, engaged to be married. And uh, we, we did not get married. And over that next year is when God moved in my life in a powerful way. I submitted and surrendered to him. And just uh, incredibly profound ways, he touched me and drew me to him. And um, uh, but I was really wanting to meet someone. I was really wanting to get married. So I started praying, Lord, I'm a, you know, I want to meet someone. I started uh, 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 talking to girls in church and things like that. You know, maybe I could find somebody. And I, uh, someone preached a scripture that dropped into my heart. It's um, Matthew. Chapter 6, verse 33, I said it earlier, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all other things will be added unto you. And that drop, I mean, like a into us. Well, what's not included in all? What? No, that's part of all. Uh, uh, no, that's all. Uh, I, uh, that's all. So I guess who I'm going to marry is part of that as well. And so I just made a commitment at that point. Lord, I'm just going to wait on you. When it's time for me to get married, you're going to show me who that right person is. You'll open the door, and it'll happen. And I'm just going to trust you. And I made that commitment. I made that commitment because that's the commitment God called me to. Do you want to know how many times I wanted to pick that commitment up? Every time she walked by. Who? Yeah. Is that the one? Is she the one? But let me tell you what waiting patiently before God is. Waiting patiently for God is not standing here like this. When's God going to show up? You need to think of waiting in a way. We use the word server now. We used to use the word waiter. A waiter waiting on tables or a server waiting on tables is not just standing by like this. They are constantly active serving that table, constantly looking what's need. When you are seeking first the righteousness of God, you're seeking first his kingdom. You're waiting on God. Your attention is is focused. God knows the need. You've already presented it to him. You've already laid it before him. He is a good, good father who desires to give you good gifts. Your attention then on waiting should be constantly bringing, coming back to him. How can I serve you, Lord? How can I learn during this time of waiting? If we learn to wait patiently before God and not get in God's way, we're going to experience him much more. Let's take two lessons from the Bible. King Saul. King Saul had no idea he was going to be made king. He was chosen and he was picked to be made king. And, and he's the, this, this, this uh, 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 huge uh, uh, person in personality. And, and he's trying to be the best king that, that, according to his flesh, that he can be. And so one day Saul, Samuel tells him, listen, you need to wait. You need to not move. I will be there. You need to stay until I come. And Samuel doesn't show up when Saul wants him to show up. Saul takes matters into his own hands, and it literally causes the kingdom to be torn from his hands. 
because he wasn't patient. But we, you know, we can take another example. How about Abraham? Abraham, God said, you will have a son. I'm going to give you a son, you will, he, uh, and, and, uh, and you will have the inheritance I promised you. And what's Abraham and Sarah decide? Well, you know, we're going to help God out here. I mean, look, God, look, a son. <laughs> yeah, God goes, uh-uh. Step number two is to wait patiently. Before God. God is not slow. But what goes through our mind? What if God doesn't answer? What if God doesn't hear? What if God doesn't do it? You see, here's the problem with that. The problem with it is this. It's very simple. We started with a premise. God is the one who initiates it all. You would not have even asked him to begin with if he wasn't already moving in your life for it is god who works in you to will and to do his good pleasure trust me he knows what you prayed you wouldn't have a godly desire without him it couldn't be there all right number three sincerity of heart the way we learn, we have to have a sincere heart. That's the big overcomer. Number two, we have to wait patiently for him to speak. Number three, spirit and word. Number three, spirit and word. John chapter 10, verse 2 says this, But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. The Lord used this verse right here to teach me about hearing the voice of God in a very unique way. Uh, uh, many of you have heard me share this before, but it's, it's so profound in my life. I, it, it, it's still ingrained to this moment. I remember the revelation of it. I remember reading that going, oh, my goodness, Jesus' sheep hear his voice. I, I, I want to be his sheep. I, I'm not hearing the voice of Jesus. I got to go hear the voice. And I remember going to a park and I spent literally the entire day sitting in a park going, Jesus, I got to hear your voice. I want to be your sheep. I got to hear your voice. I'm not hearing your voice. I heard wind. I heard leaves. I heard dogs. I heard squirrels. I heard people. I heard everything but the voice of Jesus. And I went home completely depressed. I'm not a sheep. I'm not hearing his voice. And I get home. And when I get home, there just happens to be a pastor visiting the house. And he looks what takes one look at my face and goes, why are you so dejected? He goes, well, I wanted to be a sheep. But my sheep hear my voice. I'm not hearing his voice. I'm wondering if I'm a sheep. He goes, no, you don't understand. The very thought that you want to hear his voice doesn't come from you. It comes from him. You don't go to him first. He comes to you first. This is while we were enemies, Christ died for us. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. So if you're going about your day, if you're operating, if you're moving about your day, and all of a sudden you start thinking about the Lord, that is God trying to get through to you, not you trying to get through to him. Well, that Monday, I was in work, and I'm working in a warehouse. I was doing, I did rock and roll lights professionally, and I'm, I'm, I'm moving all these lights around, and, and, and none, of the, none of the other guys, they had all gone to lunch, so I put on the Christian music station, and I'm blasting the Christian music station, and I'm just worshiping the Lord, and I'm enjoying Him, and all of a sudden, God speaks to me so clear. This is not you speaking to me. This is me speaking to you. You're a sheep. You see, there's two things that just operated there. The Spirit of God and the Word of God in tandem. 
the Spirit of God and the Word of God. It was the Word of God that told me. It was the Spirit of God that made it alive. You see John 14, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. The Holy Spirit is here to bring to remembrance everything Jesus said. So it would be a good idea if we read it and got it in there to begin with. So the Holy Spirit has something to work with. Did y'all catch that? He sent the Holy Spirit to speak to you. What? The words of Jesus. So we probably ought to know the words of Jesus so he can use them. Think that might be important? Oh, I just need the Holy Spirit. Yes, you do. And you need the word. So number one, you know what is the Holy Spirit. And number two, so he can speak it into your life. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak to you. In other words, the Father sent the Spirit because He wants a relationship with you. You are that fire from heaven made alive. All Scripture is breathed out by God, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. That's the whole entire Bible. Why? Why? Hebrews This is a verse we don't often use when it comes to the Word of God. Hebrews 4. For the Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, discerning the thoughts and the intentions of heart, and we've come full circle. When the Word of God, by the Spirit of God, comes into your life, if you want it, it's going to require you to change. It's going to discern your heart. It's going to discern your motives. It's going to discern your thought. And then it's going to release the power of God in your life. And you're going to be more like Jesus. And you're going to be living and active. And when God speaks through circumstances, when God speaks through other people, you have the Spirit and the Word confirming it. We don't just listen to other people and chase the word of man. We don't just pay attention to circumstances and say, God must have opened this door. We take those things and we put them under the the spirit and the word together. So, for hundreds of years, from about four or 500 B.C. on, after the Israelites were exiled, they were longing for that moment when the fire of God would once again come down and reignite the altar and the presence of God would once again dwell in the midst of his people. And they came back and they built the temple. And then Herod made it even bigger. And they're looking forward to the day. They're longing the day. They're under oppression from the Romans. They're wondering when's this going to happen. They still, even though they're in the land, in their mind, they're still in exile. When, God? When? And then a baby is born. God t- tabernacling in our midst. Emmanuel, God with us. He suffers on our behalf. He rises on our behalf. And and he sends the fire of God to us and in us 
so that the word of God could be consummated in the world. And you are the consummation of God's word in the world. So I exhort you this morning to learn to walk in it. Have a sincere heart. Let him search your heart. Have patience to wait on him. And allow it to be mixed with the sword, with the word and the sword, the sword and the spirit. Amen? Esteban, let's pray. Oh, no, actually. pray Lord as we're about as to take these elements this sacrament this sacred moment in which we remember Just exactly what it cost you that we could have that relationship with you. That we could be the temple of God in this world. Father, I pray that right now that we contemplate, we, we ask, is our, is our heart in this moment sincere before you? And if it's not, we thank you that you are gracious to forgive us. As we confess to you. We bring to you right now whatever it is that might be standing in the way between us and a sincere and upright heart. There's someone we need to forgive. Something we need to be forgiven for. Some way in which we have left our first love some way in which we've become impatient on waiting on you. Father, we thank you that your presence is here. And in these elements, we remember the cost for that presence to be real and tangible now. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let's give thanks to the Lord our God. It's right, it's good, it's proper, and it's joyful. At all times and in all places to give you thanks, Lord God. Right now, Lord, we join our voices. We join our voices with the angels, with the archangels, with all the company of heaven who forever sing this song in worship. Holy, holy, Holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Save us in the highest, we cry out. Hosanna, save us. In the beginning, Lord, you created us for yourself. 
But even though we've fallen through our own disobedience to sin and to death and our own rebellion, you and your infinite mercy, your infinite grace, the depth of your love sent your only begotten Son, our Savior, our Messiah, Jesus our Lord. You sent him to live among us as a man, born of a virgin, and he suffered every hardship, every adversity, every trial, every trouble, every tribulation and temptation that we face except without sin. And finally, he stretched out his arms on the cross in perfect obedience to your will, and he offered himself as a sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. It was on that night that night in which he was betrayed by one of his closest friends. He's sitting there in a meal of intimacy with them, longing for this meal, that he picks up the bread and he lifts it up to to the Father and he prays, Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. You sustain us, Lord. And he turned to his disciples and he took that bread and he broke it. He said, that's my body. It's broken for you. So whenever you get together, I want you to eat this and remember that. So when the supper was over, he took the cup, that redeeming cup. And once again, because his heart was grateful to his father, he lifted it to heaven to give thanks. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who brings forth fruit from the vine. He said, I'm that heavenly fruit. It's my blood. It's a new covenant. It's a covenant of forgiveness of sins. Whenever you come together, I want you to drink this. And I want you to remember that covenant relationship I bled for you. The Apostle Paul tells us that as often as we drink this Eat this bread and drink this cup now in the present. We proclaim the Lord's death in the past till he comes in the future. Christ fusing all of history, all of time, all of the present. So together right now, let's proclaim the mystery of our faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. And Christ will come again. Lord, by the light and the power of the Holy Spirit, you are the giver of life in whom we live and move and have our very being. Consecrate this table. Consecrate this time of communion. Consecrate us, Lord, to your work. We ask this by the light and the power of the Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus, our Messiah, who lives and reigns with you in your glory, Father, you are one God, we pray. Amen. As the Apostle Paul said to the Corinthians, so I say to you, Christ our Passover is sacrificed. Let us keep the feast. May the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ keep you to eternal life. As you feel uh, the desire to participate, just please come forward to participate and you know, stand in line on either side. This is as, as um, 
This is a time of communion between you and the Lord. It's a time that we do this together, but it's also a time of intimacy between you and God. This holy moment.
we thank you. You fed us with your word. You cleansed us with forgiveness. You preserved us through worship. You've spoken to us by your spirit. We thank you for this table through which we, we proclaim, we celebrate the mystery of the body and the blood of your Son, our Savior, our Messiah, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, you have made us members of his body, his agents in this world. Lord, we ask for your help. Help us to be distributors of your blessing, to be agents of your providence, to be instruments of of your grace, to be ambassadors of your love to all that we meet every day. Thank you, Lord, that the, that the body of the Lord Jesus did not stay in the tomb. It rose to new life and resurrection. It has ascended into heaven, and we look forward to his, the blessed hope of his return. We pray all this in the most holy and precious name of our Lord Jesus, the Messiah, because he's alive. And he reigns with you in unity with the Holy Spirit. You are one God now and forever. Amen. Amen.